Welcome to your favorite NFL podcast, A House Divided, the show that brings you all the latest Cowboys and Eagles news and discusses all things NFL. Now, here are your hosts, NFL analysts and self-proclaimed football gurus, Mike, Brock, and Keith. Welcome back, everybody, to another exciting week of A House Divided. Keith, Keith, Brock, and I are here together to go over the week, uh, what to expect in this exciting football week, and talk about what happened this past weekend. I'm sure Keith and Brock are both excited about the outcome of that game. So, Keith, how's it going, buddy? It's going good. Um, I was in Colorado for a week and back in Texas, uh, back to work. Um, but besides that, Cowboys won. I'm happy. I know last week I was ready for the Cowboys to give up the season so that they could get a better draft pick, but um very happy with the win. Um, Brock, how do you feel about this? I obviously feel great, too. It's, it's so weird recording one of these podcasts where I'm not in doom and gloom from the Cowboys losing streak that we've had for the past few <laughs> weeks. So I'm feeling great and ready to roll and then uh, kind of preview the Cowboys and Eagles as well. All right. Well, just so you guys know, we, Brock potentially broke his toe, so he's doing this in pain, <laughs> and uh, it's going to be a great time today. If you hear any moaning and groaning, it's definitely him. Yeah, it might be uh, popping some pills in the background if you hear some shaking. It's getting pretty big and discolored, about twice the size of my <laughs> other one now, but I'm fighting through the pain. I'm still on that Dak Prescott, Zeke Elliott high, so I'm ready to roll. <laughs> You need uh, that that magic spray that they do in soccer. Just spray your toe and all the pain <laughs> goes away. Don't think I don't have that. Cost me a fortune. I can make you some of Mike's secret stuff from Space Jam. Ooh. Ooh. My, I mean, I am Mike. Yeah. But uh, let's uh, let's jump right into the Cowboys. So that, that boring game, I'm sure you both are very excited uh, by it, but I was very uninterested after the first quarter. Yeah. I'll just lead off here. I mean, this is the Cowboys' performance that we were waiting to see. We hadn't seen it since the last time they played the Eagles, ironically. And this is the thing that gives me hope that if they can put it together and make the playoffs, they could make a run because you see what it can look like. My, If I had to pick the best part of the win, even though they were dominant in all areas, I would have to say that it was the two-headed rushing attack of the Cowboys this week. Uh, the defense looked great. The passing game looked great. But really, Zeke and Pollard together, rushed for over 250 yards against the Rams, who are a top 10 DVOA defense, by the way. This isn't like they're playing the Bengals or the Dolphins or someone that never... Or the Redskins. Yeah, or the Redskins. I mean, just, you know, God, all the games. <laughs> this is the Rams. Over 250 yards rushing. Uh, Pollard, who, by the way, is number one in the NFL in PFF, PFF, Pro Football Focus's yards after missed tackle. So he's making people miss and then averaging the most yards in the NFL after that. He averaged almost 11 yards a carry this game. Zeke was right at five, had two touchdowns. They both went over 100 yards. And I just loved what I saw on the ground from them. What do you think, Keith? I completely agree. Uh, to be exact, 291 yards between the two total. So that's including passing. And dominant performance from both. And I hope that, that we can keep this dynamic duo because Pollard compliments Zeke very well. And um, very happy with the defense, too. Sean Lee uh, came back from the dead, had that awesome pick, just snagged it out of the air, ran it well. And um, 
you know, had a sack as well. So it's good to see Sean Lee out there looking like him, his old self. And, My heart uh, swelled up. Every time I see <laughs> Sean Lee be the best even player in a game, I get flashbacks. I get so yes. proud. I'm like, a, I'm like a proud papa just looking at the general on the field. <laughs> and then he usually and, gets hurt right after, too. I'm surprised he stuck this whole game out. Yeah, wow. yeah we're, we're all the way up to week 16. Can you believe it? Don't I put know. that voodoo on him. <laughs> Unbelievable. Glasshouse Lee survived almost an entire season. I, he, they I think don't, they don't call him Mr. Glass. I think, I, I think he was out for like half a game or something, wasn't he? That's like best case scenario for Sean Lee. He just might have had <laughs> a cold at halftime or something and been hospitalized. <laughs> so well, let's talk about uh, your top two performers. I know Brock is is uh, pretty high on on Dak and Zeke. Are they are those your top two performers for the game? Those are my top two. And my other one I was going to mention was Sean Lee. So I think Keith and I are on the same page. So just to throw in something different, real quick, I will say that the rush defense held the Rams to 22 yards rushing. I know they fell behind, and that was a big part of it, but if you saw last year's playoff game, the Rams actually knocked the Cowboys out last year. You would have thought Gurley would have easily gashed him for 100. He was a popular start in fantasy and in daily fantasy lineups, but the Cowboys' defensive front really held up, so I want to throw them and give them a little bit of credit as well. But yeah, I'd go Zeke and Pollard above all else. God, yeah, that, that playoff game last year, they just were unstoppable. I forgot who the Rams had with Gurley. Yeah, um, C.J. Anderson. Yeah, yes, it was uh, C.J. Anderson. The truck. They and they they picked him up like the week before or two weeks before. Yeah, it was like it was, a late pickup. Straight mm-hmm. off the Lubies, the Lubies team. Yeah, <laughs> and he played well. He played well in that game all the way up to the Super Bowl. He played well all in playoffs. He was. Mm-hmm. He, he had lots of calories to burn before they could even get to his bone to to try to tackle him. <laughs> That's probably what but, it was. He was just he was like a steam train just powering through. <laughs> Quick aside, did y'all see Big Ben in primetime the other night? Just obviously wants to be the quarterback of the Luby's team. He's thinking about retiring. He fits the role well. He had the beard. He had the cheeks. He had to have put on at least 25 pounds since the last time I saw him. And, <laughs> he, looks like a, I, he looks like an offensive coordinator already. Like <laughs> He looks like he should just be coaching on the side and just let Duck take over completely. and just You just coach him up, buddy. Matt Patricia's he, younger brother. so all right we know the positives of the game i'll go ahead and chime in my two cents i i think pollard was a definite bright spot i wasn't too intrigued by him in the beginning of the season i know jerry was sold on him when zeke was holding out he did the whole zeke who joke that didn't (laughs) go over too well i don't i mean the defense played well i think the defense played kind of what we talked about uh these last couple of weeks was what the defense could look like versus what they have looked like. And there was a big difference in performance there. So what are your dark spots for the game here? Your negative I have, spots. I have one dark spot that I could, that I could think of. It was really hard to, to find this one. But the Cowboys are still the worst special teams DVOA ranked team. After that amazing performance from Kai Forbath, he goes three for three. Two of them were over 40. One of them was 50 yards. Five for five, point after attempt. And I don't know if you guys realize this, but when Kai Forbath hits a 50-yard field goal, the Cowboys are undefeated. Also, Whoa. when Kai Forbath starts, the Cowboys are undefeated. So I'm pretty sure. And Cowboys when he makes a terrible start. initial kickoff. Well, you know, <laughs> the first we, kick we was terrible. About that. We forget about that. <laughs> yeah, his kickoff. the game great. jitters. That was the that was the juju. That was the juju knockoff. He was kicking it off. 
Just getting rid of all the bad juju. You you hit crooked kickoffs so that you can hit straight field goals. Everyone knows that. I didn't know that was the rule. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely a problem, but. As he said, I mean, he didn't want to kick the ball too straight and lose that last place DVOA ranking. It's really near and dear to our hearts at this point. And he stayed on brand with bad kickoffs, but still made the kicks kind of the most. So I appreciated it. My, so let me I, ask you guys a question. Yeah, yeah. Was this game more of the Rams being off or the Cowboys on? I don't think you can just blame it on the Rams being off. I, I got to say Cowboys on because... We know that the Cowboys are this good, and the Rams this year they have they've been pretty good lately. But there was a point where when they got blown out by the by the Ravens, and we thought that they were just going to be that bad for the rest of the year. Then they had a good game, and and we were back on the Rams. But I think the Rams are just one of those teams that are going to be hot and cold, and you know this is almost a normality for them to to come out like this and. And next week, you know, they could be a whole nother Rams team, but you just never know with them this year. Keith was yeah. so confident in this answer, he just <laughs> kicked Brock off the podcast completely. Yeah, <laughs> he was like, shut cool. up, I've got it. He inserted his dominance, uh, got to fall into place. I respect it. I respect the authority figure. Um, no, I agree with Keith, though. I mean, he made the right point. The Cowboys averaged seven yards of play during this game. This wasn't – I mean, they were sharp. This isn't just like the Rams were fumbling, turning the ball over like crazy. They only averaged 4.2 yards of play. And the Rams just put it to the number one seed in the entire conference, the Seahawks, last week. If the Rams were stumbling coming into this game, I could see that. But they were on fire. They just beat the best team in the NFC the week before. You have to give the Cowboys some credit. But before we jump into the Eagles, I do want to throw in my two cents for the worst because I have a couple of pet peeves. My worst performer is Michael Bennett. Not because he played horribly, but for two reasons. One, he's been kind of a disappointment all year. So I just want to mention Michael Bennett, what the heck. We're all kind of excited for you. Show up. But two, because Michael Bennett either lines up offsides or jumps offside more than any player I have ever seen. He has to average at least one per game, even though he's a backup somehow. And towards the end of the game, two times in three plays, he lined up offsides, and then they had ran a play. And then on the uh, the play after that, he lined up offsides again. Gurley dropped the touchdown or two-point conversion or whatever it was, and they got to redo it. Because Michael Bennett was offsides again. He lines up on the ball. He drives me crazy. Michael Bennett, please stop. And my other one is Ref Walt Anderson. I just have to mention this because everyone is roasting Dak on Twitter. Oh, they're going to kick off twice. Oh, he's such an idiot. Well, I've actually seen that happen in Cowboy Stadium. It's the only other game I've ever seen live or on TV where a team has kicked off twice. I went to a Longhorn game in Cowboy Stadium where they kicked off twice against UCLA. But I don't even blame the refs in that sense because when the Cowboys guy was saying he wanted to kick off both halves, the ref asked him like three times, like, are you sure? And our dumb defensive tackle, Jackson, said, yeah, we want to kick off. Wasn't taking any hints. And this one, Walt Anderson, the head referee with tons of experience, was just like, oh, he said kick off once. I'm going to completely la, 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 everything else Dak says in. Call it that way. Uh, New York had to come and save him at halftime so that there wasn't a complete joke of a, you know, Jerry was dialing up everybody during the first half of the game. He was calling everybody he could. Like, you know, this is bull. You need to fix this now. Because that, I was laughing at that when that when that was going down. I was kind of confused. And then, I mean, I'm sure you guys know this, but it's actually an official rule. You have to say defer to the second half. Because if you don't say that, then you are not deferring 
um, the kick, and you're you're basically saying that you're going to kick the entire game, which is pretty funny. I did some research. It's only happened once in NFL history. One other yep. game, and uh, it was in the 60s. And, <laughs> it, yeah, so it's only ever happened one time. But usually a ref would say, like, hey, you know kickoff actually means this, because we're a generation of Madden NCAA video game players where the game just said kick or receive. You actually, when you kick off to start the game, quote-unquote, all you're doing is deferring the option of the second half. But everyone right. always chooses to receive. So, um, But Dak, yes, he said it weird, but he did say defer. I just really think Walt Anderson needs to be... If he hadn't gotten <laughs> saved by New York, he needs to be roasted. Uh, that was pretty bad. So just wanted to throw that in. Salute to Walt on, Anderson. On the topic of Dak, uh, how do you guys feel about that shoulder injury? Supposedly he was pretty immobile today at practice. He couldn't throw. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of just precautionary stuff, but they're they're not releasing a lot of information, so it could be a good sign or a bad sign. I mean, I, I don't have a lot of inside info on the case. I'm just seeing a lot of the same things you do, so any it's a stall tactic. Me. <laughs> but I think they it might just be really precautionary. You know, shoot him up and he'll be good to go Sunday. Agreed. All right. Well, I guess we'll move on to the next topic of the Philadelphia Eagles, my bread and butter. Much less impressive team. They <laughs> limp their way uh, to another one. By far the most impressive when you compare the context of what's going on. Greg Ward, our Lord and Savior for the Philadelphia Eagles. Again, game-winning touchdown over the not-so-great Josh Norman. The loudmouth. <laughs> but I gotta say... Josh Norman here. Yes, equally. That. He's terrible. Yes. I, I despise him. He's. I hate him as much as I hated OBJ when he was with the Giants. Agreed. Agreed. But uh, one of the things I've got to say about this game and looking at what's going on, and I, I we talked about this two weeks ago, was the hungry guys feast in, in the games. And it's really starting to show. Like looking at some of the players that are going out there and playing hard for the Eagles, it's Miles Sanders and Greg Ward and Boston Scott. And those are the three guys that are given Carson the most help he can get. And it's really starting to show because he's, you can see that he's starting to develop the trust with those guys. And that's pretty exciting for me because this entire season, he hasn't trusted a receiver he's had on the field. He's finally starting to feel comfortable. And I know everybody's going to say it's the Redskins, blah, blah, blah. Look, our defense played like hot garbage. They and, sure did. <laughs> and they made Dwayne Haskins look like Roger Staubach back there. I mean, it was just, <laughs> He was lighting it up, he, getting torched by Terry McLaurin again, who, we'll talk about Mr. McLaurin right now, was available. Philadelphia drafted J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Now, early in his career, I know you know it's too early to judge a rookie, but he's really starting to look like he just doesn't get it. And it's pretty upsetting when McLaurin <laughs> is putting up the most numbers of a rookie wide receiver right now. Uh, he's on the verge of hitting 1,000 yards. And the next two games, I think he's 150 yards away, if I'm not mistaken. He's pretty yeah, he's close. He's a lot of time. I mean, if you wouldn't have missed games, you'd been sailing past right now. He has been yeah. unreal this year. He's been ridiculous. And he was available. And it goes, this is part of the, the personnel acquisition and, and the talent research that goes into play with these teams. I think Philly's just been terrible at it. They hit with Miles Sanders. They hit with Andre Dillard, the offensive tackle. But aside from that, the draft class from last year and this year have been pretty meh. Um, it's been pretty frustrating for me in that aspect. Now, we won. It was a great game. And it feels like Carson is really starting to gel with Miles Sanders. I would say my two 
bright spots of the game were definitely Miles Sanders and Carson Wentz showed up. He, of course, missed a couple passes and people are going to harp on the missed passes like they've been these last few weeks. But that bullet pass to the back corner of the end zone to Miles Sanders was insane. That that was a, a was great nice. throw. How many people, Mike, do you think could have made that throw in the in the NFL? You know, Maybe I like... actually went back and and have looked at plays at bullet throws from quarterbacks, and I've only found three similar throws. Aaron Rodgers. Oh, right. one. Here we go. Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> he's he's one. Um, and we just kind of looking at what Mahomes has. I mean, you can definitely tell that Mahomes can make that throw. Mike and, is, yeah. Or guys. I, no, and I was going to say, and Russell Wilson, he might not be able to put in as much heat on it, but he can definitely scramble like that and fire an accurate pass into the end zone in a similar fashion. But aside from those three, I don't really see very many other quarterbacks making that throw. That's a hard throw to make on the run. On the, and they actually did the math on that throw, some calculations. They clocked it at 65 miles an hour at least on the run without setting his feet laser to the back of the end. And on the money. That's pretty good. Look, it, it was a great throw, obviously, but, it, I mean, come on. Wentz doesn't have one of the best two or three arms in the NFL. He's very good, but it's not that good. Stafford, still, when healthy, can make that throw. Flacco could limp into that throw at his old age. Are Dolph you kidding me? That kind of arm talent. You, you are insane. have the mobility, but I'm saying pure arm strength. That's not, That's not what we're talking about. I, we're, not, we're not talking about pure arm strength. We're talking about on the move scrambling like that, firing on the run, an accurate, fast pass into the end zone. That he's pass just, is almost impossible. He's just lucky he wasn't playing uh, defense with a pulse or it would have been picked off by the two people that almost Absolutely picked it off not. if they would have been paying any attention. If you rewatch re that play, he looks off the defenders. He does everything perfectly in that throw. Everything he, he did there was right. He wasn't looking off the defenders. He just got distracted in the middle of the play because he had oh no pocket God. awareness. That's that why was absolutely... he was He wasn't in the pocket, you fool. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> He's actually wondering why he hadn't been stripped yet because he fumbles the ball, I think, like four times a game. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. But yeah, I, have to, I have to agree about, about the defense there. The first defender tries to pick it off. If he tries to swat it, it's an incomplete pass. The second defender looked like he was just trying to brush the ball like he thought the first guy was going to pick it. So his arm literally went out like he was just trying to like pet a dog, just like limped his hand out there and missed the ball. And then Sanders was perfectly there in the corner. Um, it was, I love how you guys throw. just try to find reasons to hate. <laughs> it was a great throw when you're looking at where he was and where he put the ball. I think the defense, a good defense would have stopped that though. I don't think they would have, it was coming too hard. There's no way. There's <laughs> I no way. I do think it was a great throw, and you made great points about Winston Sanders, but if I did have to pick a best performer, I would have gone with Ward just because he didn't have all the reps. He used to play quarterback, Texas boy, and the fact that above your second-round pick and all these other guys, the you know former first-round pick Jordan Matthews has to be cut, ex-quarterback Greg Ward stepping up, having game-winning touchdowns. That's what I love to see. Mike, what was your worst performance of the week or multiple performances from the Eagles? Our corners suck. Everyone. And I said this last week to you in our podcast. Ronald Darby is a joke <laughs> and does not belong in the NFL. He should quit right now and just stop playing because he is terrible. And one of the excuses that I heard from um, not just this game, but last week's game was that he didn't hear the play call or he didn't know what the play was called. What in the hell are you doing in the huddle? <laughs> like, I, 
I don't understand that excuse. Like, oh, he didn't hear the play call. What? They, yeah, I get it. You're in an opposing stadium, but most of that stadium was filled with Eagles fans. There's no way you didn't hear that call. And the, yeah. there's hand signals. There's handoff communications. There's no way that you did not know what play was called unless you're just stupid, which I'm guessing he doesn't have a football IQ because he, aside from running right next to a receiver at top speed, which he has, he runs a 4-3-4. Aside from that, he's terrible. Can't do anything else. He has no ball skills. He's had, I think, three interceptions in the last four years, I think. He's been, he's been awful, and he can't cover anybody. He gets bodied just like Jalen Mills does, except he can't do anything else. And, you know, we can say, I, I mean, you can speculate that it might be because Jim Schwartz is not adjusting to his players' strengths, which is a huge fault of Jim Schwartz's, but Ronald Darby just hasn't done anything to impress me anywhere. And he's by far the, the he, he and the corners in general have been the weakest part of this team by far. I have to agree. I was thinking you were going to roast them again, and after listening to your rant last week, I was watching them this week, and it was not hard to see the issues there. I have to go through a couple of these Dwayne Haskins stats, and again, this is Dwayne Haskins, not Joe Montana. <laughs> I just want to stress that you're going to think who gets sacked Montana. every seven plays. He gets sacked every seven plays. It's Joe Montana, but this was in fact borderline bust. Couldn't even start over Colt McCoy and Case Keenum, Dwayne Haskins. Okay, he averaged 9.3 yards per attempt. That would be an NFL record if he did that for a season. He had a 121 quarterback rating. And the Redskins as a whole had 7.1 yards per play, which is better than what the Cowboys did in the shellacking of the Rams. And the Eagles only had 5.7 yards per play. Again, the Eagles dominated in time of possession. That's what really helped him in this game. But holy smokes, that Eagles secondary is a train wreck. Yeah, I mean, in the second half, they put a lot more pressure on Haskins, and that's kind of where he, he started to f- get flustered. But it feels like in the first half of every game, the defense is like, oh, yeah, we forgot we're supposed to trail this guy or give safety help. It never fails. The number one receiver <laughs> runs a post route or a double move, and our corners are toast. And I'm going to say this week, Amari Cooper's going to run a double move on one of them and burn him, and he's going to have a 65-yard touchdown. Because that's what happens every single game, it seems. Well, you ready to jump into that preview? Um, that's kind of what this podcast has been building to for the past I have, few weeks. I have I one question for Mike. Okay. Oh, jeez. So Miles Sanders, rookie deal. He's getting $1.34 million per year until 2022. Jordan Howard is an unrestricted free agent next year. What do y'all do? God, I, I hate this question. <laughs> I knew I you were going to ask that. So here's here's my only thing right now. Miles Sanders right now looks like a feature back. He's the closest thing we've seen to having a young Shady McCoy since we've had Shady McCoy. So his skill set is extremely valuable. He can run the ball well. He had it would seem like poor vision in the first few weeks in terms of hitting the holes. But these last few weeks, he's really starting to see the field a lot better. He's taking the right cuts and he's hitting the hole hard. And that burst of speed, he hit 20 miles an hour twice uh, over the, over this past weekend running and um, just looking at what he's been able to do and in the receiving game as well. Now starting to pick up as a viable receiving option. They haven't had a solid pass catching back that can also run the ball 
in years. And the only thing that Jordan Howard really brings to the table is power running. And are you really going to pay Jordan Howard five mil a year to be the guy that you're just going to run up the middle with in the, in the red zone? I mean, maybe if you value him that way, but I, I don't see it because yeah, at this point you have Miles Sanders, who's a true dual threat. And now with Boston Scott's emergence, you really just, you've got them both on young deals on young, cheap deals, Boston Scott, you can probably extend them on the low for 1.5 to 2 million a year. I just, it doesn't seem financially viable when you've got so many needs for the team to extend a running back that's going to have extremely limited use. Boston Scott will play for anything as long as he doesn't have to go back to the unemployment line. I don't have to worry about that. Exactly. Like, you're going to get him on the cheap. You've already got Miles Sanders on the rookie deal. I, I just don't see... I wanted them to extend him early in the season. Now, it does. I, I don't think that they should. As yeah. much as I like him. I really like Jordan Howard. I really do. But it, it's going to come down to, like, is he going to want to play as the third back in, in that in that running back room? Or, you know, maybe the second back if you put him ahead of, of Boston Scott. But you got Boston Scott, who's a viable pass cap catching option, too. It, defenses aren't really going to know what to do with either of them being on the field. They're they're not going to know, which is an obvious passing down, and that's a huge advantage to have. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if I'm uh, an Eagles fan, I don't want them to spend their money there when they have so many other holes and they have two quality backs right there. So I was really, I hope that they do go out and give a lot of money to him, but I think Sanders has got the main job going forward at a really cheap contract, which is always nice. And he's good. He's getting better. He's getting better. Well, with that, I think we should launch into the preview here. It's going to come down to this Week 16 showdown, Cowboys at Eagles. As we all predicted. As we all predicted on the original episode of this podcast a month ago. And the winner of this game most likely wins the division. It's in Philadelphia. If the Cowboys are still favored by two and a half points, meaning Vegas thinks the Cowboys are a five and a half point, five and a half points better than the Eagles on a neutral field. Well, either Keith or Mike, either one of you can start, whoever's uh, really ready to jump in here. What do y'all see happening in this game? Who has the edge? Who's going to take this division and come out victorious on Sunday? Go ahead, Mike. Well, so, we all know what I'm going to say. But I'm going to give you my reasons why. Oh, and there's, we go. there's, I, I think I have some really good reasons here. You sound the like first you're standing one. up right now. Are you like... Flexing. I am. I'm, pace, no. I'm pacing right now. <laughs> that's him standing up. That's him standing up to reach into the bag, trying to find these reasons. <laughs> no, are, uh... no, these are legitimate reasons, and the, and the, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to the playoffs in this. I'm gonna go to playoffs for this. Please do start so I can shut you down. Philadelphia playoff mode in that stadium. It's unreal for a lot of teams. It's hard to go play in there. Any of the teams that they've talked to in a playoff situation, which let's face it, this game is pretty much a playoff situation. Playing in that stadium is difficult as an opposing team. The crowd gets imposing, and they they really they empower that team. and And the crowd's going to get involved in this game, and they are going to be a factor for uh, for Dallas coming out and trying to play against Philadelphia. And I think one of the things that's really going to drive this team to fight really hard is the absolute ass whooping they took a few weeks ago when they played Dallas the first time. That that was a despicable performance. They know it was a despicable performance. 
that Michael, Malcolm Jenkins got interviewed today and, and pretty much laid it out saying, look, you know, we have to come out here and show out because we know what it felt like to get spanked by Dallas. And we know what the fans felt seeing us get spanked by Dallas. And there's absolutely no way we can do that in the home stadium. And he's absolutely right. And I also think having, having playoff experience, you know, Doug as a head coach, he's going to pull out all the stops to make sure that they really, they really hold Dallas down. And I think it's going to come down to a really tight game between both teams. And at this point, the way Carson Wentz has been playing in the fourth quarter, I think if Dallas has a small lead in the fourth quarter and Philadelphia gets the ball, they're going to pull it off. Dallas isn't going to have a small lead in the fourth quarter, though. I'm actually going to not only say Dallas is going to win this game, but they're going to easily cover. I can see this being by a touchdown or two. And it's pretty obvious why. Number one, the last three meetings between the teams, ever since Amari Cooper came over last year, the Cowboys have won all three games. As you mentioned, the corners for Philly are just horrible. And you have Cooper and Gallup on the other side, both top 20 receivers by dire stats on DVOA this year. Cooper's the third-ranked receiver in the entire league, who over the last three meetings with the Eagles has averaged, this is an average, not his best performance, but an average, seven catches, 133 yards, and a touchdown. There's no way he doesn't torch that secondary. As long as Dak shoulder's intact and doesn't fall off midway through the first quarter, you know Cooper's going to burn him. Gallup's been up and down this year, but he's talented too. And the Eagle pass defense is 20th in the league against with, I mean, sorry, in DVOA. And this is with the Cowboys having a great pass-blocking offensive line. For the Cowboys to succeed in this game, all they have to do is stop that pass rush, and you know that the receivers are going to burn that horrible secondary. I, I think Jim Schwartz is going to come out a lot stronger than he He's not going to run the same concepts that he's been running. I, our defense has really been able to show out against good offenses. I mean, they held Tom Brady to zero touchdowns and under 200 yards. They held um, Russell Wilson to under 200 yards. And they shut the out defense... Eli Manning in the second half. <laughs> and Eli sucks. But <laughs> then they, I, I think you're going to see a different look from defense this week. They're going to come out strong. You, what do you think, Keith? you got to hope so because the Giants and the Redskins, some of the worst offensive teams this year, just absolutely made the Eagles look like little little Tweety Birds. I honestly think with the way the Cowboys have looked, even on their on their losses, um, I still think that the Cowboys right now are playing way better than the Eagles. And then the, that defense is going to make Carson Wentz fumble eight more times. The the running game is what's been helping the Eagles right now. If the Cowboys can shut that down, then just just look for a, a twenty-one to zero halftime score, and it's over from there. <laughs> they were they were only able to shut down the run on the Rams because they got up on them early. That's the only reason they were able to shut it down because they knew they couldn't run anymore. That why wouldn't that happen this week? Because well, for one, it's a rivalry game, division rivalry, and two, like I said, we're playing at home. Just like it's hard to go into Dallas and win, it's hard to come to Philadelphia and win. Okay, that's where you're wrong. It is very easy to go into Dallas and win. People are eating popcorn and sweets. They're really get loud. Now I know you're full of it. Uh, okay, but seriously, Mike, I don't think you've come to grips with this reality because you're still on that Super Bowl high from a couple of years ago. Last year, no, little, no I'm not. Run. Listen, listen. The Eagles are average. The definition of average. If you look at every aspect of their team, okay, so their overall offense, overall defense, 
their pass defense, their rush defense, pass offense, rush offense, everything, and take the DVOA, they are ranked between between 10 and 20th in the league in every single one of those categories. They're if not you're asking horrible, me if I think the Eagles are better than Dallas, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the Eagles are going to play hard. They have a lot to play for right now. They're going to come out with heart. They're not going to come out and just roll over like they did against Dallas in Dallas. That's not going to happen. This is and, the Cowboys season on the line, too. They're going to come out hard, too. There's no Eagles are going to play harder. Both teams know their entire season comes down to this game. Uh, I don't think Jason Garrett can motivate them the way Doug Peterson can motivate the Eagles. Okay. Well, he's not going to have to because his players are so much better. And Lane Johnson is banged up. He's either going to be limping out there or just not play at all against Demarcus Lawrence. The Cowboys have the two of the top ten pass rushers as their defensive ends. And you've already said on the podcast how Jason Peters has been struggling with his age. If they don't have Lane Johnson at his best, Lawrence is going to eat him up. The entire problem with the Cowboys this year, outside of special teams, which granted that could come into play, has been their defense. But if they can rush the passer, the defense is going to have nothing to worry about. And the offense is still... Really, really good. Not only is it the second-best offense in DVOA behind the Ravens, it's been there for a while, but if you break it down, the Cowboys have the fourth-best DVOA pass offense and the third-best rush offense. Compare that to the Eagles, who are 20th-best at defending the pass and 11th-best against the run. It's just a mismatch. There's a reason the Cowboys have won three in a row. There's a reason they're going to win this game by double digits. I'm going Cowboys all the way in Philly. They're going to take the division, and... I'm really confident about this. I might be overconfident, but I just don't see how Philly can match up the way they've been playing. Your pride's going to be as hurt as your toe this weekend. <laughs> blow, blow. As, as sure as I, my toe is to be purple when I wake up in the morning, Dak is going to at least pass for 300 on that secondary. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, that's, I don't think that's going to happen at all. <laughs> but I guess we're all going to find out. that We'll... We'll let our listeners decide who they agree with or disagree with, but we're definitely going to find out this weekend. I'm totally looking forward to it. We were supposed to go out and watch this game and drink, but Brooke decided to have a family Christmas, which totally should fall well below the importance line of this game. It's also my father-in-law's birthday, so it would really be double doo-doo if I went to drink I already told you you could stay in my spare room. Well, now I'm going to have to limp my way over there, not only because of the broken toe, but because I'll be in trouble with the wife after that one. So I'll just enjoy this from the comfort of my living room with cowboy fans around me as Mike cries by himself alone <laughs> in his guest room after yelling at you the know, TV and getting kicked out of bed. Oh, my God. Mike, we haven't thought about this. Why don't we just go over there? Over where? Ooh. To Mark's house? Yeah. Is that an option? Inaugural Duns, yeah. As long as y'all can take the blood oath, I think y'all can sit at the table. As long as we don't have to touch your toe. Ooh. <laughs> you don't have to touch my toe. Two dollars to look at it. Three dollars to you touch might, it. <laughs> you might have to step up your stats game. We like to really nerd out at the table. Um, you know, start talking DVOA on a whim over a ham. Are you saying don't I don't do. know DVOA stats? Are you are you I'm making saying, accusations? You don't live, breathe, eat it like it done. This is what we grew up with. They put it they mix it with the formula in a bottle and we have a calculator in our hand right in front of the TV before we're six months old. Well, I'm about done with this conversation because it's Ooh. a little ridiculous. <laughs> so, <laughs> well done. <laughs> so we can go right into our uh, our next little topic. Last week we talked about our top five NFL coaches, and Brock absolutely ruined the segment. But I think he's going to do it again this week. 
this time we're going with the worst five NFL coaches that we can think of. So we'll let Brock run away with it and ruin it again since that's what he likes to do. All right, guys. I'm going to start with the worst because that's what we've done here instead of counting down for five. This one's hard. I think that the best coach for me was easy last week because he had Belichick to fall back on. There are so many bad coaches that it's kind of hard to pick out one. And I decided to go with a guy who doesn't have a crazy track record, but it just has to be him because he's done such a bad job this year. And I think he's so bad that he won't even be allowed to have a track record because every other NFL owner is going to come to his senses and never hire this guy. And that is Freddy Soup Kitchens, as that will be his next job, is serving at the soup kitchen where he also eats. This is a guy who took over a team with all the offseason hype. The most expectations the Browns have had, I think, in my entire lifetime since they've been back in Cleveland. They had the first overall pick, rookie of the year quarterback Baker Mayfield. They had an all-pro wide receiver, maybe two, in Jarvis Landry. They had Nick Chubb and Hunt in the backfield. Miles Garrett was still nice before the season. He wasn't on, (laughs) you know, his freaking helmet-beating self. And the team had promise, and Freddie Kitchens came in there, put his handprints all over the offense, squished it around, threw Baker against the wall, and turned it into a shit sandwich. He actually fired Ken Zapsy, I think I'm saying his last name right, who was a really big advocate of Baker last year. He was, I think, obviously big to Baker's growth since he was a quarterback coach of the team. But because Freddie Kitchens didn't want any competition from the last regime, he let him go and fired him in the offseason. And the offense has completely fallen apart. They have no identity. They are a terribly run team. They're going to have a high pick again. And if their owner has any brains at all, a new coach next year, Freddie Kitchens is my worst coach in the NFL. We still don't know if Miles Garrett is guilty. We, we don't have the tape. Yeah, that's true. It's there's inconclusive, but... Jury's still out. <clears throat> well, Brock, what do you think? Um, do you think? I, for my number one worst head coach to start a team with, I also have Freddie Kitchens. Yes. I I had just 100% agree with everything you're saying. Um, I mean, when you have all that firepower and your team just craps to bed every week, uh, they lost to the Cardinals pretty easily last week. Badly. It's just been embarrassing for them. I mean, they're supposed He's to have fighting. a great offense and defense, and they can't put it together. Yeah, I was just going to say, I forgot to mention, he was fighting with Landry on the sideline last week. It's just a bad look. He had some bad quotes after the game. Mike, supposedly, Supposedly, uh, Landry, before that game, was saying OBJ wants to stay with the team, and then after the game, Landry and a few players were reported that they were trying to get off the team and, and <laughs> tell the Cardinals to get them. Different player every week trying to <laughs> jump off Freddy's soup kitchen's boat. Mike, please yeah. say you came to your senses and agreed with the correct pick for the worst coach in the NFL. So, he was my second worst. If, okay, if, I, can, if I can throw that out there. I have Adam Gase as my worst head coach. Mm. Quality choice. He's actually number five on my list. So, so I, I, the reason for Adam Gase is when you look at what's been going on, uh, you know, for the team, you know, with the Jets, and what he did with the Dolphins. Looking at what the Dolphins looked like last year, uh, you know, they had Ryan Tannehill, they had Devonta Parker, uh, and they had Kenyon Drake. They seemed pretty now, good. They were a they, playoff team, huh? 
they 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 had great caliber players, uh, but he shipped. Well, I, I shouldn't blame him for shipping off Tannehill, but they shipped off Tannehill. Um, Parker was was okay last year, but this year um, he seems a lot better. And and now with the Jets, when you look at what's going on, they acquire Le'Veon Bell in the offseason. They have a young, decent quarterback that they could build around. And they have a great wide receiver. They've got Robbie Anderson uh, and Jamison Crowder, which Jamison Crowder is not the best, but he's he's a pretty decent receiver. I would take him right now. <laughs> but You do unspeakable um, things for Jamison Crowder. <laughs> but <laughs> looking at what you know what the Jets are doing, and looking at his role there, he just doesn't seem to bring out the best in his players, nor does he mold the team around the players that he has. And when you talk about Le'Veon Bell, who's arguably the best running back in the league, except for this season, he's looking terrible. He's only got 3.3 yards per carry. They don't run the ball very much. They don't get him in a rhythm. Um, And he's only getting 5.9 yards per target, which uh, both are career lows for him. He's only got his season high in rushing yards is 87 yards. Season high. Jesus. That's absolutely terrible. When you've got it, a talent like Le'Veon Bell, you've got to make use of it. You're creeping Adam Gase up my list here. I mean, <laughs> Adam, <laughs> I, I, guess he's climbing as he's... I, I had him at three. Okay. Well, are you done bashing Adam Gase or do you have a couple more nuggets <laughs> you need to throw in there to really bury no him. i'm done i'm done with him for now i'm done with him okay, as, well. as so as should the jets <laughs> we can agree on that well who'd you have two keith we already know you had one and who you had three who is in the middle there all right this i i doubt that any of you or maybe mike have him at number two it's jason garrett and the reason <laughs> i have him at number two is not because he is the worst coach but Long term, he is the worst for your team. He will eight and eight your team until you die. <laughs> he had one oh, great season the for the Cowboys, and that was the season where we did so bad we got Zeke. So that was my happiest point was that he did bad enough for us to get Zeke. But uh, and you could argue he has the most punchable face out of all the coaches. Mm, I've never just wanted to him. punch him. No, I every no. time I see him, I just kind of want to just right in his I've teeth. Never... I've never looked at him and not wanted to punch him. There's <laughs> something about the red hair and the stupid gum. <laughs> so, Keith, I'm sorry we interrupted. <laughs> no, there's not much left to say. I mean, he play, he plays it too safe. And until recently when his job has been on the line, which it actually has been for a while, but it seems like he's actually playing a little bit more risky right now. He's starting to go for it more on fourth, so I do like that part of him at this point of the season, but I mean, we've we've all seen it for so many years, and I just wouldn't want to start my team with someone like that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Keith. I actually had Jason Garrett three, so he was really low on my list for all the reasons you said. He'll stick around. He'll do nothing. He's been a little bit better on going for it on fourth this year, but I think that's because all the pressure coming down from ownership and it's been out of necessity. Yeah, and Kellen Moore's running the offense, and when the offense is as successful as it's been between the 20s, it's easier for the coach to see the obvious call. So I'm not going to give him any credit. 
people will say he has a winning record. He's been there for a long time. If you look at the talent the Cowboys have had over the last decade, going back to Tony Romo, Des Bryant, Terrell Owens, his great offensive line, it is inexcusable they've never even been to an NFC Championship game. He's outstayed his welcome by at least five years. Jason Garrett was third on my list. So um, I know you already said Freddie Kitchens is two on your list, Mike. So I will just jump in because I'm the last person who hasn't said my number two. And I will continue by saying my number two, a person I do not want to start my franchise with, is Pat Shermer, the head coach of the New York Giants. I'm actually really hoping he doesn't get fired because I think it's hilarious and I just enjoy having him in my life, in my division. Every time I get mad about Jason Garrett, I can look onto the sideline and see a person just 5% more confused. He has a lifetime record of 17 and 44. He hasn't been good at any job he's ever had. He was bad at the Browns when he used to have a job there. He's been even worse with the Giants now. Um, Eli was never as bad as whenever he took the reins. And there's just really no hope as a Giants fan with him. He's, he's not creative. He's not exciting. He's just an old shoe, wet carrot of a coach. If I may steal Jason Garrett's patented wet carrot status. And he was <laughs> number two on my list. Uh, just below Jason Garrett because I've seen him clap a little bit less. Jason Garrett's clapping at least makes the players think he knows what's going on, whereas Pat Shermer has looked dead on two or three different occasions that I've watched a Giants game this this uh, this year. He was actually in my number three, so <clears throat> I'm on board with everything you were saying. I'm going to say that I would also enjoy keeping him at the Giants because it keeps them out of relevancy, and it really just keeps it as Philadelphia and Dallas for the years to come because the Redskins are probably going to be a dumpster fire for the next five to ten years as well. As they've uh, been, yeah. so it's really going to be Dallas and Philly for the foreseeable future. So I really do want him to stay, but I don't. I wouldn't start a I'm saying a prayer. Him. I'm saying a prayer. You know, the Redskins have Bruce Allen still as their GM with Tan Snyder as the owner. That's just a great combo for the Eagles and Cowboys. So it's really looking great for the NFC uh, least as far as the Eagles and Cowboys are concerned. I actually so, have Pat Shermer at number four. And I agree with everything y'all are saying. Let's just keep him there forever. <laughs> All right. Pay the man. Yeah. <laughs> Don't listen to this. If you, we were just saying this. If you're a Giants fan or you know, in the front office, you have any influence on the team, uh, we're just joking. He's a great coach. He needs a new contract, and it'll be great for Daniel Jones. We love him. Extend the guy. Yeah, this is opposite day. <clears throat> Top five head right. coaches. Who did you have it for, Mike? Doug Marone. Okay. The Jacksonville Yakwires. They have been a joke. From, I mean, just looking at what's been going on, they just fired uh, their head of personnel today. Um, but that, that in itself kind of speaks to what's been going on with the team itself. But when you look at what's happened with Jacksonville, with the attrition of players, this whole nonsense of, uh, masking injuries, forcing them to treat with the team, all these kind of things that they've been doing, you have to look at it and say, what in the hell is the head coach doing in all of this? You know, when you see what's been going on, the players don't want to play for him, obviously. That seems to be the case. They want to leave. And you bring in, you know, Super Bowl MVP Nick Foles, and he does absolutely nothing, plays terrible, looks terrible. So you bench him and you bring him back in, Mustache Minshew, who had a hot streak for just a little while. He still looks awful. The team just seems overall dysfunctional. And 
you know, just looking at the control that he has over the team, what's been going on, the cloud over the team, I think it's time for a wipe of the slate, and the Jaguars need to start over, and I think it starts with Doug Marone. Well, I think it actually started with Coughlin because, uh, kind of breaking news here, he was actually just let go today uh, yep. the Jags executive VP, so I think... Well, yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, he got he got, he got got let go, but now, now they've got to keep going down the list. Yeah, okay, yeah. So anyway, I, I agree, and he, he would have made my list if he hadn't taken Blake Bortles to an AFC title game two years ago, but that, I think, has proven out to be more of a great defense and less the coaching. So he was kept Bortles off was my a list. fantasy god. I miss Bortles. <laughs> he was kept off my list because of that one season, but I agree. The Jaguars should go in a different direction. Okay. Well, and my last guy was the Clappa. Yes. <laughs> I knew we all know why. There's no way you would not leave him. <laughs> He's got to be there. He's got to be there. Keith, do you have anyone for your four or five spot that we have not mentioned yet? Well, I had Pat Shermer at number four. Um, number five is someone we haven't mentioned yet, and it's it might be a surprise, um, but it also might not be. Bill O'Brien from the Houston Texans. Ooh, really? Pick. Yeah. Yeah, so he he's had I would have said Don Gruden similar... over him. No, you can't. You can't. <laughs> he's Matt worth Jackie. ten mil a year, bro. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so Bill O'Brien to me has had a very similar career like Jason Garrett. Uh, you look back, he's he's been successful though. So he's had nine and seven, nine and seven, nine and seven seasons to start out with. Went four and twelve. 11 and 5 and now he's 9 and 5 this year. So with that being said, that's not bad except for the one season. I just think that he hasn't been the most creative coach. He's also been been very safe like Jason Garrett on plays and um I just have to give more credit to their defensive coordinator Romeo Cornell. They have Tim Kelly as their offensive coordinator right now. He's doing great. I just think that Bill O'Brien is going to be the one that keeps him out of the big game. And you see it every year when they make the playoffs, they completely fall apart and just get slaughtered. And I, I love the Texans. I, they're probably my second favorite team. I hope that they can have a good year this year. I just don't see it with Bill O'Brien. Yeah, I think you actually make a lot of good points. He, he wasn't the last guy remaining on my list for my fourth worst coach, but if you ask me, is Bill O'Brien a good coach? I would totally agree. The answer is no. Another guy that's had tons of talent hasn't been able to put it together. They've been able to make the playoffs. Sometimes they've even been worse than that. And I think it would be daring for the Texans owners to make a move, but it would be the right thing because if they got a really good offensive line in there to mold Deshaun Watson, they have Super Bowl potential for a decade. And I think, like you were saying, Bill O'Brien will hold them back from that. Um. My number four and the last guy on my list, because I had Adam Gase fifth, was Dan Quinn. Another guy who kind of had one year when the Falcons went to the Super Bowl and might have been keeping him off some list, but Atlanta needs to get rid of this guy. He is really just not the reason that they were ever good, and I think he's all of the reason that they're bad now. If you look at why he got the job in the first place, he was the defensive coordinator in Seattle in 2013 when they won the Super Bowl and they had that great defense. But really, that was Pat Carroll, uh, Pete Carroll's scheme, and they had the best safety in the league in Earl Thomas, the best corner in Richard Sherman, great linebacker in Bobby Wagner and a pass rush. 
They were running a great scheme, but it was Pete Carroll's scheme. I mean, scheme. Excuse me. They had great players. I don't know what Dan Quinn was doing there. And then he tried to implement that in Atlanta. It never worked. The only reason they were ever good and got to the Super Bowl in the first place was they had Kyle Shanahan as the offensive coordinator. We all had Kyle Shanahan as a top five coach. Whenever we talked about this last week, he was the reason that Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and everyone was clicking. They got to the Super Bowl. And the second he left town, so did all the wins in Atlanta. Just ask Matty B. Dan Quinn needs to be on his way out. And I just can't imagine another team wanting him to be their head coach. He's shown nothing. He's just had all this talent on offense. That's the theme that I keep going with. And can't find the right coordinator for the job. His defenses aren't any better. So Zach Taylor was barely left off my list. The very young coach from Cincinnati who was just a quarterback coach last year for Sean McVay. But he still has a chance, I think, in the future. Dan Quinn made my list at four, and Adam Gase was fifth. <clears throat> yeah, Dan Quinn was my honorable mention. So, uh, shout out to Matty B. Like we said, Dan <laughs> Quinn needs to go. I don't think there's any room for defensive-minded head coaches anymore in the NFL. Not in the current state. Not numb-headed defensive head coaches, anyway. I mean, you have to have a head coach that trusts their offensive coordinator. Yeah, well... If you have Bill Belichick or, I mean, Mike Zimmer is in Minnesota, is a guy I thought about as a top five coach. If you're good enough at being a defensive coach, you can pull it off. But just because you're a defensive coordinator on a good defense doesn't mean you were the reason they were good. And it happens in offensive coordinators too, but we're really seeing a lot of these guys that were supposed to be hired for their defensive, you know, X's and O's that really don't have the chops. I agree. All right. Well, I think it's time for Trivia Night. Are you guys ready? Uh, hold on. I just got to stretch and get ready. After the... If you do this like last week, I swear to God. I think that my toe could beat Keith at Trivia if last week has any <laughs> indication, but I don't want well, to be cocky. This trivia is not... TV show related. This is actually it's in Brock's wheelhouse again. I will say that it's numbers and stats. So we'll see how Keith does. He's probably going to do terrible, but we'll see. <laughs> I'm going to read off a a various amount of numbers. Uh, it's going to be total yards, and this is going to be depending on position. But it's going to be total yards, either receiving or throwing. Um, or rushing, depending on the player. So wide receiver, running back, or quarterback. Those are the three categories. I'll tell you what category we're in, of course, while I'm reading off the numbers. But we're going to go, I'm going to read off total yards, total touchdowns, and total number of receptions um, for wide receivers. And I'm going to read those three numbers off. I'm going to give you a list of three players, and you're going to have to guess which player it is, you only get one. You only get one guess. If you guess it wrong, it goes to the next person, and they get to take the point. It's only going to be a one point per guess system this time. Um, for running backs, uh, we're going to go by touchdowns. We're going to go by rushing yards as well as rushing attempts. For quarterbacks, we're going to go off of completion percentage, total passing yards, and passing touchdowns you have okay. all three categories for each one all right i like it all right okay keep, so keep go first this week so i know as i, I say brock, first brock got, got first last week so keith gets to go first this time we're going to start in the wide receiver category okay okay so again i'm going to read off a number and i'm going to give you three names 
and you're going to tell me which player this is. Right? Total receiving yards, 1,333 yards, 86 total receptions, 9 total receiving touchdowns. Your options are Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, or Michael Thomas. Who are you picking? I'm going to go with Chris Godwin. <laughs> Keith with the right answer right off mm. the bat. Things are starting well for Keith. All right, so one point can to I say? Keith. I, I think I know football. All right. Yeah, I, I also would have guessed Godwin over Evans, so I think we should restart the trivia and start with <laughs> me again. It looks like the tables have turned. <laughs> my, my, how the turn tables. <laughs> so, all right. That's going back Michael to Brock. Scott, the office. Test two points for Brock. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Mike didn't say the quote right, so y'all both lose. Oh, jeez. Right. We weren't playing the quotes game anyways. So, all right. We're going to stay on the receivers. All right. I'll read them off again. Total receiving yards, 1,157 yards. Uh, total receiving touchdowns, 8. Uh, total receptions, 67. Your options are DJ Moore, Julio Jones, or Mike Evans. Oh, my gosh. I feel like this one is much more difficult. And I also just want to say that Keith and I did not look up the stat lines. This isn't like we were trying to do the trivia. We just came in with a blank mind having watched the games we do every week. Man, this is one where I really think it could be all three compared to the last one. We knew it wasn't Michael Thomas. Um, okay, so it was DJ Moore, Mike Evans, and who was the other option? Julio. Hmm. Hmm. I'm going to go with... Hmm. I'm going to go with Mike Evans. Oh, Brock got it right, too. All right. You guys are looking good. The eight touchdowns, I just thought it's a little bit too much for DJ Moore. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I went with Evans. Yeah, DJ Moore, I have no idea. I'm just trying to think of fantasy. I have no Carolina players in either league, so I never look at them. (laughs) He's had a sneaky good year, but not that good. So, all right, let's go to another. We're going to stay on the wide receivers topic for right now. Going back to Keith here, all right. One thousand fifty-two yards, ten touchdown receptions, fifty-six total receptions. Your options are Kenny Galladay, Amari Cooper, or Devonte Adams. Oh my God! It could be any one of those. Uh, what was the first option again? Kenny Galladay. Galladay, Cooper. Now I'm blinking. Who is the other one? Adams. Devontae. That's right. Hmm. I f- uh it's it's not very many receptions and Cooper has actually had a couple of bad games where he doesn't get many. Uh I'm gonna go with Cooper. Wrong. Mm. Got our first wrong answer. Uh, All right. Brock, you can steal this one. 
I'm happy that he picked Cooper because that was the one I was the most confident it wasn't him, only because I think he's done a little bit better than that with yards and receptions this year. Uh, so I was hoping he would eliminate one of the other two. He's actually uh, very close to the to those numbers. Well, this is what my brain was thinking, Mike. I'm a genius. I don't want to hear it. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so in all seriousness, this is tough because I know Adams has had a lot of touchdowns, usually because the Packers have a great offense. This year, I'm not sure that was the case, and he was hurt. I don't think he's put up quite this good of numbers, so it could have been him, but I'm going with Galladay. It is Galladay. Brock gets the upper hand on this one. So it's oh, now okay. it's now Son two to one. Gun. Two to one? Two, huh? two to one. Ooh. All right, it's getting hot. <laughs> All right. So let's go to the next one. We're going to have one more receiver's question. One more. Okay. All right. So total yards, 1,174 yards, only four touchdowns, 86 receptions. Your options are Stephon Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins, or DJ Moore. I'm going to go, without thinking too much, with DeAndre Hopkins, because I think he has been disappointing for fantasy this year. Wrong. And... You are wrong. Keith, you mm. have the chance for the steal, buddy. Like Brock's analogy from... My last turn, that's the one player that I counted out because I actually have Hopkins. And he's definitely had more than four touchdowns. This this hurts. It hurts when you're on this side of it. Oh, man. Um, uh, Wait, so you said DJ Moore and who was the other? Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs, yeah. God. Stefan Diggs is, from what I know, has been a disappointment most of the year. He's had some good games. I just don't know DJ Moore. I don't know him personally. <laughs> he doesn't text back. He's kind of a loner. <laughs> I'm going to go with Diggs. Wrong. Brock keeps <laughs> me. It was DJ Moore. <laughs> <laughs> you should have known him. <laughs> I'm surprised by some of these numbers that some of them are putting up. I was not expecting some of these numbers. Yeah, that's the great thing about this game. We all learn something in the process. Yeah, I like it. All right, moving on to the next position. We're going to go to running backs. This one should be fun. All right, so this one goes to Keith. And we're going to start off with breaking the 1,000-yard rushing this year already. 1,081 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns, 250 total rushes. Your options are Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette, or Carlos Hyde. Oh, man. I'm going to go with Leonard Fournette. You know it's not Zeke. It was definitely Fournette. Keith got it right there. Nice. Yeah, I'm right. sure it wasn't Zeke. Yeah. Let's right. miss the 50-50. Okay, tie game. Let's go. All right. All right, next one. 1,135 rushing yards, 13 rushing touchdowns, 250 rushing attempts. Your options are Dalvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott again, 
Marlon Mack. What in the hell is this? Why can't you? <laughs> Gosh, man. You, you uh, throw Zeke into the previous one with, like, kitty litter, and then you give me a Dalvin Cook versus Zeke. Okay. I don't even remember the third scrub you mentioned, Marlon Mack, but if it's him, I forfeit the rest of the game. Uh, I don't think it is. So we're stuck between Dalvin Cook and Zeke. Oh, man. I'm going to... Just because I don't think Mike would ever pick a cowboy to be in this because he's so spiteful. He just throws them in like Amari Cooper as options. I'm going to go with Dalvin Cook. I didn't expect you to get this one right, but you did. <laughs> yes. I uh, am personally offended, but I'll take my third point. <laughs> All right, this is going back to Keith. Rushing yards, 1,408 rushing yards. Eight rushing touchdowns, 270 attempts. Your options are Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs, and Ezekiel Elliott. Mm, I don't like this. (laughs) So there's Josh Jacobs, Zeke. Who's the first one? Chubb, Nick Chubb. I am going to go with Nick Chubb. Ooh, Keith got it right. Ooh, oh, wow. I did not know what you were you, about to say were, right there. I mean, either. I thought you were... <laughs> <laughs> I love these games. <laughs> I got confident. I was like, this is the one he's throwing Zeke in there. This one's Zeke. Yeah, I knew... I didn't think it could be Jacobs. Huh, this game is awesome. All, All right. right. Last one, last running back class. 1,329 yards, 13 rushing touchdowns, 271 attempts. Your options are Ezekiel Elliott, Derrick Henry, or Christian McCaffrey. Oh my god, you son of a... That might be the most even (laughs) split right there out of the questions. Ugh, okay. Oh my gosh. Say the stat line one more time. 1,329 yards, 13 rushing touchdowns, 271 attempts. I'm going to, just because I think you are this spiteful and you would not have Zeke in there, I'm going to go with Terry Henry. You are absolutely right. (laughs) It was Derek. McCaffrey, too. Zeke was actually, their numbers are all very close. So I'll read off to you their stat lines. Zeke is 1,188, 11 touchdowns, 270 touches. McCaffrey is 1,307, 14 touchdowns, 265 touches. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, splitting hairs. That's a, a guess that I got lucky on, I think. So, moving on to QBs. Moving on to QBs. It's four to three, just for the record. Yeah, Brock's ahead. Brock's ahead. All right, so. We have two two quarterbacks apiece. Is that correct? Yeah, two quarterbacks apiece. Yep. Okay. All right, so moving back to Keith. We're going to go with 
total passing yards. Where? Why is this hiding it? Hold on. I'm having technical difficulties over here. Oh my gosh. Okay, filler, filler. So, Keith, how about a joke? All right. Who's that? I don't, my brain just froze more than Mike's computer. I can't remember a single joke that has ever been told to me at this very moment. Um, but anyway, the, the Cowboys are doing good. Life is good. And I'm about to win this trivia quiz. So, Oh, I remember now. Oh, it's okay. we're, not doing, we're not doing passing yards. We're doing completion percentages. That's what the difference was. Okay. So it's okay. completion percentages, touchdowns. And uh, passing attempts. Okay. All right. So, sort by this. Mike, don't ever quit your day job to become a teacher. That's I know. I don't. <clears throat> this was absolutely terrible. I don't know what happened here. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's still messing up on me. Okay, got it. All right. So, <clears throat> passing completion percentage, sixty four. Point two six percent passing touchdowns nineteen total passing attempts two hundred ninety one. Your options are Matthew Stafford, Carson Wentz, Philip River. And you said nineteen touchdowns. Nineteen touchdowns. I actually am pretty confident with this. I'm going to go with Philip Rivers. You are incorrect, sir. Brock, Ooh. for the steal. So I was pretty sure it wasn't Wentz, and I was thinking it could be Rivers because he had a bad year, but Stafford got hurt, so that's why the touchdowns could be fairly low, and he was having a good year before the injury. So I'll go with Matthew Stafford. You are correct, sir. Very good job. Son of a gun. <clears throat> Keith sucks. All right. All right. <laughs> Next. Okay, you put injured quarterbacks <laughs> in this list. <laughs> And mentally injured quarterbacks with Carson Wentz. Hey, whoa. <laughs> That's taking it too far. Game's if over. If you put the fumble oh. line, I would have guessed Wentz right away. <laughs> you both lose now. <laughs> All right. So, passing completion percentage, 65.73%. 23 passing touchdowns. 426 attempts. Your options are Patrick Mahomes, Jameis Winston, or Jared Goff. I do have to say, Mike, these are three of the weirdest categories to try to quarterback <laughs> from. Like, no yards, completion percentage. Okay. How many touchdowns was it? Uh, 23. And who was the first option? I know it was Goff, Jameis Winston, and who else? Mahomes. Hmm. Holmes was injured. That could make some sense. As to why the touchdowns are pretty low. <sighs> I'll go with Mahomes. You are correct. God damn yes. it, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I just clinched the game with that one. Six to three. <laughs> All right, let's see how this one goes. Completion percentage, 70.46%. 70. 
25 total touchdowns, 413 attempts. Your options are Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, or Deshaun Watson. Wow. Hmm. Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, Deshaun Watson. I think Deshaun Watson is going to have more. Cousins, is he that accurate? And you said Aaron Rodgers is the other? I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers. I think Keith loses the game here. Rock, <laughs> it's yours um, for the taking. I think it. I was thinking it was Cousins anyway because that completion percentage was suspiciously high. That could only happen on a run-first team, and so I could be wrong, but my inkling was Cousins. Brock wins the game. Yay! <laughs> I'm break out the Epsom salt. So oh, man. Keith, you're on two, man. What's going on here? Hey, I'm just, uh, I'm not good at guessing completion percentages for quarterbacks. (laughs) (laughs) It's just one flaw as a human. (laughs) I I started out good. I was winning after the first question. Yeah, you were. You started hot. Some of these completion percentages are pretty impressive for for these stat lines. Drew Brees has a 75.81 completion percentage. Holy cow. Well, he broke the NFL record the other night. Game while breaking the career touchdown record. So that shout was... out to Southwest for letting me stream that game on their free Wi-Fi. Thank you. So you want to know who has the second highest completion percentage of starting quarterbacks? Yes, Ryan Tannehill. Oh MVP. my gosh! Well, you know, as Adam Gase once said, Ryan Tannehill sucks and he can't win. I guess not. He's got seventy-one point fifty-five completion percentage. That's pretty crazy. He's I, playing I, out of his mind. Yeah, we'll have to see how he does the rest of the year. And, but and to think nobody saw him as a franchise quarterback. Ah, I'd slow down there, buddy. I don't think I don't think we have enough time in this podcast to get into it. But Mike, those are good questions. I'll take my victory lap and just end on another high. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us today. So don't forget to like, subscribe to our podcast, and rate it. Follow us on Twitter at House Divided NFL, at That Gomez Guy, at Brock Ocho Goat, and at Frankel Takes. It's one of the dumbest Twitter handles I've ever seen, but it exists, guys. Go follow <laughs> it. We'll see you next Do week. It. All right. See you later.